1: everything elite
2: the world's
1: best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe i may be joined
3: as always by my good
1: friend mike spears in the uh, street fight gear what's up
3: mike yeah yeah you know it is fall ish i guess i guess it's officially fall and it's long sleeve season so yeah that's how it is hey y'all it's mike uh I'm doing pretty well. Uh, still wrapping my head around some of the stuff that happened tonight, but that's what we have got the next hour, fifteen hour, thirty to do. Uh, how are you doing, AB? Hey,
1: I'm doing okay, man. I uh my my trackpad stopped working, and so I've been having to I, I put my MacBook up on like a stand, right, and then I have an extra monitor. But because my trackpad, my extra trackpad, you know, that's like down on my desktop working, I have to like reach up to the Mac pad or the MacBook on the stand. And so my back, like my upper shoulders have really been hurting. Uh, but I did some neck and shoulder yoga before Dynamite started, and I'm feeling much better. So I just want to put over neck and shoulder yoga. Thanks to uh, Sarah Beth Yoga YouTube channel. Good looking out, Sarah Beth Yoga. That's not a paid ad. <laughs> That's just uh, a recommendation from me to our listeners. Also joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What do you think about Sarah Beth Yoga?
2: Um, Nothing in particular. I don't know that I've ever watched any yoga on YouTube. I could probably use some, some exercises for my neck and back because uh, I got a little crick in my neck uh but i'm really disturbed by this notion that you i guess you bought a second separate trackpad yeah yeah to 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 use on on your computer
1: well actually what happened is sarah has um what's the desktop like an imac i think is what the desktop mac is called <laughs> and so it comes with a separate you know, trackpad and, and and keyboard because there's not uh-huh. one on the desktop, you know. So uh-huh. I just took those and used them with mine in my office because it hurt my back and shoulders to like type sure. up and use the trackpad on my Mac. What is Stand. now? What
2: does she use?
1: She doesn't use the fucking thing at all. We bought this like $2,000 <laughs> iMac and it just like sits in this room where I do
2: podcasts. Okay, so that's funny. Uh, you uh, should buy until a she's fucking like, mouse.
1: Until she's like Aaron, um, I needed to find a picture that I uploaded to that computer eight years ago. Could you plug the trackpad and uh and keyboard in?
2: Sure, got it. That's very uh. This guy, could this guy be more married? He's talking about his <laughs> wife's purchases, <laughs> With all those crazy wife purchases she never uses. Well, she had a, a laptop. I get so annoyed before. about them sitting in my breakfast nook.
1: she had a laptop before and it you know it crapped out as as laptops do and it was time to buy something new and you know she rightly said i got a cell phone you know i don't really need a a laptop just for like around the house you know she doesn't work off of it or whatever but instead of that meaning she didn't need something else she decided that meant she needed uh the the big iMac that i stare at as i do this podcast
2: and but you don't use that either it's so it's just sitting there no it does nothing So this is all um personally annoying to me, I would say. Um <laughs> your, your whole your whole Apple situation over there uh offends me as a computer user. That's all. I'm okay. sorry.
1: Uh I mean I'm not sorry, but I, okay. I I'm in the I guess it's not okay, the, then. in the market for a new uh trackpad uh keyboard setup. So. again, I
2: would say get a fucking mouse.
1: I mean, that'd be fine too. I just need something that is, you know, disconnected from my MacBook. That's all I really care about. Mm-hmm.
3: But I haven't used a there's mouse in There's a great very thing long now. Time. Aaron, there's the great things now called USB dongles where I, I have a dongle. Of... I'm using a
1: dongle right now.
3: It's a VAVA. Yeah. Is that what it's called? That sounds fake, one. <laughs> and two. No, I got it off wire cutter. It, it, it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah. But, it's, I, mean, it's not, on, I don't man. know if it's
1: a dongle. It's a USB hub. That's not a dongle. That's I don't know what a hub. fucking dongle is.
3: It's a little thing you plug into your computer that, that your wireless Vava. mouse talks to.
1: That's right. It's called It's Vava. I was right about that, just for the record.
3: Nate, now I'm personally annoyed.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm, please join me in my annoyance. That's how I like to start I, I shows. took my NyQuil already for the evening, so if I do pass out halfway through the show, that's why. Um, that's all.
1: If you want to see more things Nate is annoyed about, follow us on Twitter at everything A-E-W. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at adepidesis and Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you use the Apple podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Uh, the month's almost over, but it's a big month coming in October. So subscribe now. We will kick off the show, as we always do, with Elite, or Delete, the part of the show where we say what we thought was good and what we thought was bad from this week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, Nate, you're going to lead us off. What was your favorite thing, your Elite pick from this week's episode?
2: My favorite thing from Dynamite is that they signed Leo Rush. Leo Rush, his much ballyhooed retirement lasted. About as long as uh, we all expected it would, which is zero zero days, zero shows, missed, uh, zero time off for Leo, Uh, basically continued working for New Japan uh, from the day he retired and is now back with AEW. Uh, And then Leo, (laughs) uh, just an insane promo package about his new gimmick, which is he's a wrestler that loves leveraged buyouts. (laughs) Uh, and somehow he makes this work because he's very engaging. He's very charismatic. Uh, there's just something about him that, I don't know for me. I just fundamentally want to like the guy. Uh, so he's on the screen talking about leveraged buyouts. (laughs) Uh, and I'm just like, yes, I'm into it. Let's go. I can't wait to see the leveraged buyout guy wrestle some matches uh, that was the that was the highlight of the show to me. Is that Leo's back? Leo's going to be featured. He's another you know top tier talent that's that's been on the market. Uh, and he loves money. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> it,
3: it it it's like the perfect Leo like promo. You know, like it, if you're someone like me and is an aficionado of Orange not you, you asked us a question. Like this is like. Just perfect. Like just like the B-roll shots of him talking about leverage buyouts, talking about you're using other people's money to do this, and then it's always my money. And it's just fantastic. And that's not to and that's like the cherry on top that Leo Rush seems to be sticking around this time. So like having adding Leo to the promotion, just like the amount of possibilities here, because we're getting this Leo right now. We're getting we're getting Leo stonks right now. But six months from now, you know what we're gonna get, Nate? the black Arts going to show up
2: oh i was and, gonna say wife guy leo oh
3: wife guy leo is 24 7 okay good point he never stopped being a wife guy but i can't wait until that happens uh i i hope they reenact like beat for beat the uh gcw homecoming storyline that he was the shadow behind yoshihiko and then it had it like a just a just unnecessarily long half hour matches the black art with Joey Janela. So I hope they do that beat for beat here. And it's Leo Rush and AEW. that That's a win no matter how you look at it.
1: Honestly, I think if they try really hard, they can put the Leo wife guy and the Leo leverage buyouts guy together. And Leo can be mad about purchases his wife made because they stopped him from doing a leverage buyout. What do you guys think?
2: Um... It seems a little bit like this is informed by your own experience, which, uh, you know, that's that's great, best really you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it feels inevitable to me at some point that he's he's going to do Jake Hager and, you know, try and get his wife involved in an angle somehow. Uh, and I will be, I feel like the promotion will be richer for it for sure.
3: Yeah, the Catalina method about... has, to, has to be involved. G- guys, are we talking about the Uncrowned Miss America Catalina Hager? We are. Almost we are. always.
2: <laughs> I did. I, 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 this just occurred to me. So, you know, there was there's been a lot of discourse about uh, persons of color and representation and diversity in AEW, uh, and then that has uh, also evolved into uh, representation of African Americans and uh, Black wrestlers in particular, uh, apart from the other persons of color in AEW. And it felt a little bit to me like when Tony just tweeted. <laughs> I don't know when it was. A week or two, like, hey, I'm I'm talking to Leo Rush a lot. It it felt like that was a reaction to that discourse, right? That, like that, why would that come out of the blue? Otherwise, um, and that made me think, well, is this leveraged buyouts thing? Is that a reaction to this new line of discourse? That, uh, no, you know, Tony Khan having a successful wrestling promotion doesn't count because he had a billionaire father and he got to use his dad's money. Uh, and he's not a self-made man. He, he cheated. He skipped the line, uh, and all of his success with AEW doesn't count. Is that why he's doing the leverage buyouts thing? Because really who likes leverage buyouts more than Vince McMahon, who basically bought the WWE from his father using the WWE as collateral and using the profits from the WWE to pay back his father for the promotion. So I'm wondering if that's a comment.
1: As a guy who is currently reading death of the territories, uh, I have to think that you might be onto something here, Nate. I mean, you know, we were we were into this heavy, uh, you know, the e-drone side of the discourse about how Vince was a, a self-made man. Uh, but yeah, he literally just like, it's like, hey, what if I pay you all a million dollars, but I'll pay it later? And the way I'll do that is by, uh, yeah, just like, Buying time, I mean the literal time buy. People talked about AEW being a time buy. WWF oh, yeah. was literally mm-hmm. a time buy uh, for decades.
3: Yeah, and going into places that pre-existed. like Aaron, this is like one of those things. Where like where I've gone off about like people looking at the uh, WWE monopolization as a good thing in the wrestling industry. Like they were going into like markets and po- buying the TV uh, hours, like, like by doing the time buy at rates that were 3X, 4X, what the local territory was, like, it was predatory in every sense of the war.
2: Yeah, here's a a little bit analogy that I just, this is half-baked because I just thought of it, but uh, if you imagine, like, the territories as kind of a self-regulated industry where, like, the NWA and these other promotions have split up the country into different territories where all these different promotions can have successful uh, businesses and products, you know, Vince basically spent himself deep into the red uh or spent uh you know using his father's money basically did those time buys to effectively deregulate the market by pushing all those territories out of the business and that enabled him to become the national monopoly uh at which point you know he can recoup all that money that he spent in the red so uh, it's, it's really you know not a similar not a dissimilar thing as like uber where it's like hey we're gonna disrupt by which you mean, destroy this existing industry, uh, in the name of, you know, this new quote unquote advance, uh, and in the process, you know, take this regulated market and turn it into a deregulated one. Uh, so then we'll have a monopoly over the market and then we won't have any regulations to hold us back and, you know, make us do the, the basic humane thing for employees, things like that. Um, so that's an idea.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, Uber, it's the Amazon story of like Bezos being in debt and venture capitalists allowing him to be not just in debt, but like losing tons of money for years and years and years uh, solely because, yeah, they knew that eventually he would control everything if uh, if it worked out. So yeah, WWF, I think, is the same thing, you know, essentially it's just a different, because of the time, it's like he, he did it slightly differently, but it's the same basic idea.
2: So does this mean uh, leveraged buyout Leo is going to be a heel now? I don't know.
1: I mean, uh, Leo is so lovable that I think it's hard to make, make him a heel, honestly. I mean,
2: he, I don't I mean, know he if it's... he can... He can, pour, he can perform on. He has the performance skills to play one. Sure. But he's
1: like a perfect baby face. I mean, he's uh, he's got all the, the great moves. Uh, he's very fun. I mean... This could just be a me thing, but I mean, I was giggling about this video for at least two and a half minutes into the ad break. I mean, it was, it made me so joyful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he could be. Uh, I mean, it's, it is a classic wrestling thing also to have a character on your TV who is uh, making fun of the guy who owns the other company. So I'm fine with that. All right, Mike, what's your pick for (laughs) Elite?
3: this week well we're talking about being getting into a break off of a promo and Aaron anderson hid fr- from the wrestling world for about like 45 to 50 years that he was from georgia and he wasn't from minnesota he wasn't related to gene or ollie anderson but boy did the georgia come out tonight with the promo we had with cody and it just was one of those things that you're just like oh he's talking about pulling out a gun at someone in real life okay Arn, you're doing this on national tv it just was like a wild moment and like with the with like the overall window changing with Cody now like I know last week I was like it could be a blip or it could be a trend now we know it's a trend and they're playing into it and Arn Anderson being like all right I'm no longer your head coach because I w- because you don't have the guts to pull the gun out on someone was just insane and you know it's something that kind of stuck with me and i will it will stick with me for months thinking about this promo
2: yeah this was easily the best thing that Arndt has done in the promotion is just fully lost his mind on the microphone uh i don't really i can't begin to guess what they're doing with this stable with cody with this angle with Arn and Lee Johnson going forward, it, um, which you know, I guess I I don't need to be able to guess everything that they're doing, <laughs> but it does, it compounds the weirdness and, and insanity of, of this promo that it's like, wait, so it was was that a babyface promo by Arn or was that is Lee Johnson a heel now? It's very confusing to me, <laughs> um, but it was <laughs> very exciting. And unexpected television. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, you know, the first time... I guess the other one good thing Arn has done in this promotion is when he when he blocked that one Malachi Black kick for about half a second. Uh, that was the other dope thing that he's he's done. So we've now got two cool things he's done.
1: It seems to me that it has to be an attempt to, like, get the crowd back behind Cody. Because in what other circumstance would you have somebody tell you know a guy who very recently was like one of your top baby faces you're a fucking loser and i'm get it you didn't do anything uh to get back at this guy who tried to destroy your family you're a loser i don't deal with losers uh don't talk to me and my son ever again and he leaves but he was right
2: well like, he was uh, right he was right um you know wrestling fans often do not like losers um the part about leaving somebody's brain splattered on the pavement is unclear in what in what cities and what arenas that's a baby face line and what and when that's a heel line. Um <laughs> so yeah, I just I I can't I'm not I'm not gonna put myself out there and and feel that it's definitive one way or the other because it's it's totally unparsable to me. I cannot begin to try and translate it.
3: Yeah, I think this is something that that it's really a week-to-week thing. Like, we've seen, like, it seems like trying to lean into the skid and readjust, or is it going to be, like, just... I guess Cody is inspired by Aaron Anderson telling a story about pulling a Glock on someone who was trying to take his car and now he is going to be a badass, but I don't know how that's going to get the crowd back invested in Cody because like Aaron, as you said last week, like Cody's role has been supplanted by the original. And then, you know, it's just, where do you go from there with him? And it just seems like, unless like this leads into like a heel turn, (laughs) which like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, real estate there for him to, go down i don't know like how you could turn this into like turning him back into like a into like the mega phase like it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of comes off and i feel like it's one of those things that after it all comes back then we're like all right where when do they stop leaning to the skid or is it something as soon as things were going like this with malachi black like all right we're changing this to this so i think it's a really fluid situation that i find pretty fascinating to be honest
2: Well, making it confusing has definitely increased my interest in it. I think if it was all, you know, again, it's another fucking stable dissolution storyline, which is, you know, they do to death in this promotion. Uh, But it being so confusing and unpredictable is, is kind of what's making me at all interested in it. Just that I don't know because it's so weird. Um, But yeah, there are also some little hints that maybe it's just a, a Cody heel turn. I mean, you know, they've been setting up that Cody doesn't listen to Arn. At the beginning of this match, Arn tells Lee to start and then Cody starts anyway. Uh, I think I don't know if it was on Busted Open or it was on something. There was a there was a interview somebody did recently for publicity where they were talking about Hollywood Cody. Um so maybe they are trying to lean into that and they do think that there's more real estate for Cody there. I mean, we've we've talked on this show before. The best way to become a super over babyface is by having a, a hot heel run. So you would think Cody would be smart enough to know that, but maybe he's maybe he's got that uh, that specter of John Cena losing, looming too large in his mind.
1: Following up on my point uh, from last week, it's not like when Cody came out, the crowd was just like mega hot to boo him. I mean, it was uh, pretty quiet when he came out. He got boos for sure. Uh, there were some Cody sucks chance in the match, but it, he Dante Martin was more over in this match than Cody. And I don't think that's even arguable. So I think it's pretty obvious that the crowd has become disinterested in Cody and they have to do something different or at least something interesting. And, and maybe they are on the precipice of something, but they have to do something. Uh, this is where I will uh, tell a story that I, uh, teased in the discord, not really a tease, but everybody knows I love Arn Anderson. And I don't know if I've said this or not, but one of the reasons I really love Arn Anderson is that he uh, reminds me of one of my grandfathers quite a bit. But when he said the thing, this, uh, this promo made that even more, uh, true that he really reminds me of that grandfather of mine, because my father once told me, uh, I don't know, perhaps apocryphal story. Uh, he gave me, my father gave me a gun that belonged to my grandfather which is a a smith and wesson 38 revolver and he told me that uh, he was at this guy's house with my grandfather once they were playing cards and uh, things got heated among the card players Uh, my grandfather pulled this 38 on the guy cocked the hammer back held it up to his head and whispered in his ear breathe and you're fucking dead
2: that's it that's the story Seems like a little bit of an overreaction.
1: Uh, hard to say whether it was an overreaction. Uh, these were Easter Kentucky Rednecks. Nate. You, don't know, uh, you don't know what happened before that.
2: Well, it sounds like it was a game of cards. <laughs> I'm, just going, <laughs> I'm just going by the content of the story. Cards
1: are serious, baby. Could have been real money. We're not, that's not, like we're talking,
2: about, we're not talking about Magic the Gathering. We're talking about Redneck <laughs> cards. Come on.
1: I'm sure we were playing Fucking a little... Jack's, or something. Jacks
2: and Diamonds what does that even mean what does that mean I'm, jackson I'm,
1: the, the famous I'm, I'm, card game jackson diamonds I'm that the, everybody I, loves
2: i i it's, mean the I, joke the little joke i was doing for myself is this is this character is a guy who is disgusted by the typical 52 card deck of cards
1: <laughs> I, I, <was> <laughs> I was gonna character, say i just keep working on it um, thank you snl could come Fucking, calling i mean fucking tens (laughs) 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 that's that's a good character i like it i do i Um, like it i think that makes it uh, my turn to choose an elite pick i'm gonna go uh with an easy one and just pick the the 16 man tag the Brody lee memorial match it was not only great action and a lot of fun Uh, but it had the satisfying conclusion of the the Dark Order dissension story. We got uh, Amanda Huber in on the action, Ty J out there, uh, negative one. I mean, it had everything you wanted in this match. So an
2: easy elite pick. I did not like this very much. What? Um, (laughs) uh, It annoyed me more when it's like, did we really do this whole stupid annoying dark order dissension storyline for this payoff where they were (laughs) were being just insanely short-sighted and selfish and disrespectful uh and bickering during the match uh until a widow and her son had to come out and be like hey my husband died stop being fucking pricks um yeah that was kind of stupid to me sorry
3: I thought that like it, it, as soon as this match got announced and as soon as like everything was very clear about the tone of the show was going to be about Brody that was like, okay, they've been building to this like it makes sense that this is the payoff here it it, it it's something that like the match itself like there's a reason there's not a lot of eight on eight tag matches and but like just it, it was something that like the big emotional moments hit there and it was a lot of fun and but when I saw like eight versus eight, my mind immediately went like, "Okay, this is why," and and or other companies do see C- because They don't tell everyone to get up on to get up on the apron at the same time. This is a reason why like you have to like pare down things like this. But it, it it's something where uh one it was awesome like uh John Silver's like biggest like I don't even know what what you call his ringside like uh uh obstacle course that he does like like how would you describe like his spot there where he just goes he just goes just hog wild on everyone who is outside he just clobbers people and then jumps back in the ring and is johnny hunky like him 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 having an eight-person version of that cracked me up yeah i
1: thought it rocked hard for me to understand not thinking it rocked honestly
2: (laughs) yeah just the The payoff was not worth how long it took to get here. And, you know, fundamentally, that's what the that's what the match showed about the characters is. Oh, no, these guys cannot put aside their differences for fucking two minutes in this match. Uh, They literally have to go get the widow and the child to be like, hey, fucking get in line. Uh, That reflects poorly on all of them as people, I think.
1: Our listener elite for this week, and if you want to have your elite or delete chosen for the show, all you got to do is sign up at the Patreon, join the Discord. We got a little channel where we do elite or delete throughout the show. This week, we have Suit Williams making his first appearance on the show as the listener elite. Uh, And Suit says, Sammy using the Tornado DDT in route to winning the title. I'm sure we were going to talk about this match at some point, so we might as well do it now.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a uh, tidy little way to put this match together with both the tornado DDT and using the exposed turnbuckles that Miro used in the Eddie Kingston match. They tried to do a lot in those two little moments to account for the fact that they've, uh, you know, kind of kind of fast forwarded to the Sammy title win here. I think, but yeah, that was some good continuity. You know, Miro gets his comeuppance for the. Uh, Turnbuckle thing, and then as was established with his Fuego program, Fuego, the master of the Tornado DDT, and Fuego, uh, you know, cracked the code that Miro has his weakness in his neck and head or whatever. So Sammy uses that to great effect, um, and then you know, does like three other finishers to get the win. So, yeah, I thought that was a very nice element of this match.
3: It's something like, again, hindsight. Now we see like how they've laid out this title change. I thought it was pretty effective, even though like heating Sammy up, like Sammy's last singles match was, wasn't that the Sean Spears match that almost made you throw things. Nate was that the last singles match. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where
2: but, Sean, Sean Spears kicked out of the six thirty. Miro didn't, but Sean Spears.
3: Well, I mean, that's the power of the tornado det. apparently. I mean, Fuego's a bad gambler, but he, he, he understands his psychology, I guess, or anatomy. But I, the match itself, it, it felt like that as soon as they set this up or they're going this direction, that like this was the end for like Miro's title run, which was a, lot, a whole lot of fun. And, you know, with Sammy, it, it, it's something that like I know we've talked about this, Aaron. Uh, there were other times that he felt more hot coming in here for this. So, like it, it did always kind of feel like that he would end up as like a TNT champion or if, if not the next TNT champion after Miro. But it, it it's something that. I, I have to say, like, the fact that this was like this was a weird crowd. This was not like a typical AEW crowd throughout the night. And they weren't as into the match starting off, but they really got into all the ridiculous moves Sammy did kind of towards the end and getting into the title change that I felt like that, you know, given the way the crowd was, I thought that that was a pretty big accomplishment. And it's gonna be interesting what's gonna happen with Miro now, because Miro was like built up like so heavily in this one direction. And it's kind of like the situation that MJF and Darby were in before they started their storyline tonight. It'll be interesting to see, like, what do you do with Miro after he loses the title before you have, like, a big feud for him now? And I think it's... They had two heel champions for a while, so they kind of needed to have a face champion. And this is the one that, I guess, makes the most sense. And, you know, it looks like that Sammy already has a first challenger, I guess. Like, it seems like at... That that I mean, it was a part of a promo that, that like Bobby Fish made a tweet, and then AEW retweeted, it and I guess Sammy was talking about it during the commercial break of Road to the Top. So that's happening, I guess.
1: Anytime you can sign a guy who dropped F slurs on New Japan and then hung out with Drake Wirtz at QAnon movies, you fucking got to. I mean, uh, who's also eighty three well. years old? I mean. <laughs> What, what is there to... What could be bad about bringing this guy into your company?
2: Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean that's the off, of prospect. Fish.
1: I fucking hate Bobby Fish. I hope he dies. <laughs> God damn it, I hate Bobby Fish.
2: He does stink. Uh, this is a big black mark on Adam Cole, who for sure got him this spot, right?
3: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of people that have worked with Bobby Fish in this promotion. Like, I don't think we can just clearly say it's just Adam Cole's fault. Well, I did.
2: Um... Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, you hope you hope it is a TNT, you know, has kind of a open challenge thing associated with that title uh, with Cody doing it. And then, you know, Miro did the Fuego match, went back to Eddie from the open challenge era. So maybe that's maybe that's a one off thing. Um,
1: he should he should join the uh, the Pantheon with fucking War Horse of guys who came in for a one off and were never seen again.
2: You know, there are people that would say that uh, Bobby Fish is the better worker in Red Dragon, which is just one of the most insane takes I've ever heard in wrestling.
1: I would ignore those people if I were if I were you, Nate, or anyone else. <laughs> Personally. um, Fuck. Now I'm just in a bad mood. Uh, I want to get... Notice that. <laughs> that put me in a... The Bobby Fish thing put me in a very bad mood. What I wanted to say, though, about the Miro-Sammy match was, I agree. You know, we talked about it this morning. Mike, that Sammy, it didn't really feel like it was time for Sammy to win, but the segment they did with MJF and Darby where they kind of built up the four pillars of AEW helped going into the match of like, oh yeah, they do take this guy seriously. They think of him highly. Frankly, I mean, I said in the Discord that if he then went on to lose this match, it was going to look kind of silly uh, because of what Mm -hmm. they said in the segment before. So I think it worked out okay in the end And, and Sammy showed like when he starts doing like the move where he jumps over the turnbuckle, it's like, oh yeah, the way this guy, one way this guy can get over is just like going out there and doing the stuff that he's good at and the crowd gets into it. So he can get heated up. It's just, usually you want the guy to be hot before he wins the title and not after, but that's okay.
2: Yeah, it does. I relate it to that Darby TNT title win where it's like, this is not the moment at which the iron is hottest to strike. It's the right move at some point, and you've done some groundwork to establish that this guy, you know, isn't lying to be a champion and is a deserving champion and will be a valid champion and will you know be elevated by becoming a champion in this way. Uh, but then when it when it actually comes, it seems, I don't know, I guess maybe it's better to be a little too soon with the title change than too late. Maybe that's all it is. Uh, but it just it doesn't feel like the exact hottest moment.
1: Uh, if you want to be hot, you got to check out our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Uh, it's back to school time is what I've heard. I I, th- I don't think it is back to school time anymore. I'm going to be honest with our friends at Manscaped. Uh, school is like fully, we're fully in. Uh, if you've got anybody that's seeing your junk, you've probably already got that set up. So that's good. Hell, you've probably gotten to the point now where you don't mind if they see your junk a little untrimmed. Here's my tip to you. Surprise them. Now they've seen your junk untrimmed. It's time to get the uh, lawnmower 4.0, the performance package, and get that tightened up. Get the valedictorian of ball trimming. Uh, You just got to go to manscaped.com and use the promo code this is. They got everything the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker. You know, if you just started seeing someone new, you don't want them to find out that you actually have awful ear and nose hair, you know, so uh, you got to keep that in check. That's for sure. And You want to keep your stuff smelling good. That's why they have the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Uh, Mike and I were just talking earlier today about our love for the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. So uh, you got to get it. Uh, The Reviver Toner. Okay, let's say you forgot your Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Or maybe you used it, you know, but it's just been a while. But it's time. Somebody's going to have their, their nose somewhere near your junk. The Reviver Toner clears all that up. Uh, easy to use, comes in a a pretty small little bottle. You can fit it in your fanny pack if you carry a fanny pack. Even if you got the little slides with the fanny pack on it, it'll probably fit in there. It's pretty small. Uh, So you got that. That's in the performance package 4.0. And then you can also get the shed bag and the boxer briefs in the performance package 4.0. Highly recommended. Uh, One is a comfy front pack for your balls. The other is a backpack for your goods. That's what our friends at Manscaped say. So make sure to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code thisis at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code thisis at manscaped.com. This year, graduate with a degree in clean balls from Manscaped. All right, time to talk about what we didn't like. Um, Not a lot that I thought was like actively bad on this show. Everything was pretty good. Uh, Nate, what was something that you didn't like that you want to delete?
2: So I did this more or less same delete, I think, two weeks ago. They did this goofy segment. Speaking of balls, they did a big goofy segment where Brian Danielson comes out and says, Kenny Omega, your name is No Balls Now. Um <laughs> Really, you know, very illustrative. Brian Danielson, uh regarded and canonically in this promo. Or and re- regarded and canonically in this promotion. One of the most intelligent men in wrestling, if not the most intelligent men, man in wrestling. Uh, which, again, is easy when your next closest competition is Mark Briscoe. Uh, but just very tickled by Kenny Omega, no balls. Issues this challenge to any member of the elite. While all the elite are in the ring. Since Kenny won't wrestle him, he'll wrestle any of the other guys. Uh, and then, you know, the elite hunter comes down, They they go to fight in the ring and they clear out. Uh, and then just a total wet fart of an ending to this segment again. Kenny, like, walks up the ramp, and, and Nick Jackson's beside him, and and Brian Danielson's in the ring like, hey, don't you want to fight? Uh, and then, I don't know, we go to ad break or something. And then, like, 40 minutes later, they're like, hey, <laughs> uh, Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson on Friday in a graphic. Why not just have fucking Nick Jackson pick up the microphone and go, hey, Brian, I'll wrestle you on Friday. It's right there. This, this felt like a personal insult to me. This felt <laughs> <laughs> like it was motivated out of animus for me personally, that they couldn't, they couldn't give Nick Jackson the dignity to accept the challenge and, you know, get a big pot from the crowd. Who's going to see that match? and, you know, is going to be excited to watch that happen. Uh, No, they have to instead wait for 40 minutes when, you know, 35% of your audience is tuned out because you put Adam Cole's match on first. Uh, So you've lost, you know, a third of your audience by the time you just say, hey, here's a graphic, Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson. That's annoying to me.
3: I mean, you you can't betray the Chugs Nation that way. You know, I mean, you put Adam Cole on first, he's the chugs nation who knows if they're going to stick around with that uh it's something that i do really like the fact that before the main event they will always say like this is what's happening next show this is what's happening next dynamite but you should have the ability to really show like agency and like everyone knows it like everyone's role here it's like all right you want to fight nick jackson could could easily say i'm going to make this match now even though we know tony khan makes the matches we can say like as an executive vice president this match is happening i'll see you on friday like that's all it, it took there and he was like and as this match was made earlier tonight you can still have that in the graphic there and, and i mean i i'm happy about the ending point of getting the atomicos of like the babyface army versus the elite next week it, it, it's something that I guess with like Danielson and like in his promos, like this really felt kind of like, oh, he's really gone back to like the well of how he kind of did promos before WWE in a way. And other than like adding in the phrase of, oh, everyone will chant this. So let's go with this. And Kenny no balls was trending for a bit. So, you know, it had its intended effect, but yeah, no, Nick Jackson just said like, all right, we will do this in Friday.
2: That does actually make me more annoyed about it because you're right. The reason they don't do that is because they want to protect Tony Khan as a matchmaker and say, no, Nick Jackson cannot make a match. Brian Danielson cannot make a match. It has to go through Tony. So it's entirely just protecting Tony Khan as the matchmaker. that they can't just give you him fucking accepting the challenge, uh, giving the crowd a big pop, setting up the match in the angle naturally uh, instead of making you wait 45 minutes for a graphic.
1: Uh, Nate, you said something else that just made me more mad, which is, you know, if you want to sign a homophobe who is a chud, why not just sign the fucking briscoes who are also old as fuck? Why not bring the briscoes in? I mean, that's the same thing, except they're Uh, better, except they're good wrestlers.
2: (laughs) I would much rather see the briscoes than Bobby Fish.
1: Yeah, they have like actual fucking character and like are uh, charismatic and interesting to watch.
2: Well, hold on. He's got a weird mustache. Don't be unfair. That's character.
1: Well, then bring in fucking uh, Jack Gallagher and uh, fucking uh, uh, Aiden
3: English, the drama king. There we go. I, well, let's go with drama king Matt. Let's not go with Jack Gallagher.
1: <laughs> well, look, all, we're, I know I'm talking canceled people, but, uh, you know, just making my point about yeah. mustaches. Hey, if you want to bring in a mustache guy? Just bring in Darius Lockhart, who was great on Dark this week. How about that? He's got a mustache. Very true. And it's cool. Um. Were, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was stupid. Also, Nick Jackson versus Brian Danielson is a cool-ass match. So, like, yeah, just let people be happy about it. Yeah. Tony apparently yeah, is like, uh, Tony seems to be putting out the word. He wants more people to know that he's the only one who books this show.
2: <laughs> well, he is very...
1: Uh...
0: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Yes, he, he, but he has been doing that for a long time. Yes,
3: I mean, the since I've not been to a dynamite, Aaron, you might be able to answer this uh it did the uh, wrestling observer best weekly show banner make it to Cincinnati like are they traveling <laughs> with that thing did you keep an eye out for that I, uh, I, listeners I need to know if this banner still is being traveled around just at me please I need to I, know because I don't I think Aaron's not, gonna tell me he saw it
1: I did not keep an eye see, out for it it must have been uh local sports rivalry banter it must have been all those University of Cincinnati banners you know all the championships they've won that were uh, making it hard for me to see
3: if there were any other banners. I mean, uh, you have to have space for the keg of nails.
2: <laughs> Tony right. Tony saw that they're putting up murals of his father at the U of I campus. So he's like, oh, I need to start getting word out that I'm the sole creative force on this promotion. So I get my mural.
1: I want to see. OK, Shad Khan, unquestionably, has a lot more money than Vince McMahon, right? So, yes, if A.W. really wants to get serious and challenge um and challenge WWE on their home turf. They should go to USA and or Fox and offer uh, a time buy, uh, pay money to get WWE taken off of television (laughs) and AEW put on their
3: channel. I I mean, you you could probably get NXT lifted pretty quickly right now with what they've been doing.
2: Well, I I have to say, I think Jerry McDevitt, probably a better attorney than... Uh, whoever was negotiating the TV deals for TNA back in the day, he probably has negotiated exclusivity as far as being wrestling content on those stations uh, when they've made the TV deals. Whereas of course, you know, TNA was on one channel and I'm like, "Eh, we're going to add ring of honor now too.
1: Buddy, when the deal comes up, I'm just saying Shad Khan needs to be in place for when these deals expire to say, look, I'm taking this time slot now. It's mine.
3: Talk about mustaches. The mustache that's right. Prepare. That's that's a good mustache. Just book that, yeah. Shad Khan, right? Jesus. <laughs> Shad Khan versus Sami Quafara in Philly. Come on.
2: <laughs> QT can teach him to work in a couple weeks. Absolutely.
1: All right, Mike. Uh, what was your delete pick for this week's show?
3: Yeah. So. There's a lot on the show that I ended up enjoying, if only from like stuff that rocked or stuff that was like, Aaron Anderson talked about pulling a gun out on national TV. That's awesome. Uh, But like the one thing that there is something here, and I just don't think they went about it the wrong way. So I think it's the elite is the MJF and Darby, how that segment ended with like MJF obviously baiting, then Darby kind of has laconic delivery says I won't hit you cuz you won't break me mentally then MJF just kind of like flips out because he's the bully who was trying to get the rise and he get the rise here like there is something here they're absolutely like MJF and Darby like it does play in Darby's character it's not like betraying like like what we've seen of this and if MJF here there's doing this it's just the, this whole segment for like something that like should be built up and they're treating it as something like these are like the homegrown guys and these are arguably number one and number two homegrown guys going at it now seeing who's the top homegrown guy. There's a way to do it without like this thing. And yes, MJF is a cheap heat guy. So of course he brought up Darby's uncle dying in the car wreck here. It just was something that it felt kind of uninspired by the end of it. And versus saying like, all right, let's see who's the best here. Even though MJF would be be out of his character here. It's just, it didn't connect with the way I expected, and it's something that I'm certain that they'll revisit over the next, like, month and a half or however long this goes, but did not come out of the, the gates as well as I was hoping for.
2: Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't mind the content of the, of the promos, and I like that Darby has a different babyface character than, you know, all the other babyfaces in pro wrestling, so I thought that worked for him. Uh, I kind of chalked this up to it, the crowd again, it did seem a little, they were very cool for this and I'm not really sure why. Um, but they were, like you said, also a little cool for the beginning of the main event. Um, maybe it's cause they had a whole bunch of in-ring heel promos on this show. Uh, I think this is maybe the first time we've heard the what chant on AEW television. So, um, I kind of chalked it up to the crowd just being a little bit uh, uncharacteristic for an AEW show that this didn't come off, like, super hot for me. Um, But yeah, you know, I I like MJF explicitly voicing the, hey, we're the four pillars of of AEW thing. I feel like, I think, Mike, what do you call him, the class of 2021 or something?
3: Class of 2019, yeah.
2: Class of 2019, uh, I feel like we've explicitly uh call those guys out so i enjoyed that and i think that's gonna be fun for people to look back at and and however many years when they're looking at those four guys career in aew and yeah i you know i think this oh you know what it, it also <laughs> cm punk the, I the show suffered a little bit i think from cm punk overshadowing things or this crowd being so i don't know old WWE watchers or something that they wanted to do what chance that they wanted to chant for CM Punk. Uh, and I think both those things uh, kind of hurt the segment a little bit.
1: I agree. The crowd wasn't cool or was cool for it. Uh, but to me, the easiest explanation is just that it wasn't a very good segment that MJF wasn't very good in the segment. Uh, I I don't know, like <sighs> people were hot for the, the thing with Brian Pillman in Cincinnati, but, you know, maybe that was the Cincinnati thing playing in and helping that. Uh, I I think it's what Mike said, that it just felt like MJF playing MJF instead of, like, more of a sincere uh, use of that character. I I just didn't think it really hit uh, in a good way, but we'll see if... I mean, the the fucking crowd is going to get into MJF versus Darby. There's, like, there's no doubt that they're going to be into that. I'm just not sure this was... Uh, the perfect way to go about it. Uh, My delete, this is one of those problems where you decide on this early in the show and then things kind of go sideways a little, but I'm just going to stick with it because that's who I am. Um, I think the appearance, the presence of CM Punk on commentary highlighted something, Nate, that you talked about on World Tour this week, which is that the commentary for AEW has basically become talking about moves and doing quips. And there's really nothing else that happens on commentary. CM Punk comes out there and largely is trying to give some motivation for what's happening on screen. He's trying to give you some story and interject something into it. He definitely had some missteps on this show. There's no doubt about that, but him being like a a solid B or B plus really showed how bad the rest of the commentary has become on AEW.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that was especially bad on rampage this last week where it's plugs for <laughs> future upcoming matches on the same show, plugs for matches on future shows, all of which are great. It's great to have a pro wrestling company that has their cards booked out in advance and promotes them. Um, and then you know plugs for merch and plug for the five different books that are being sold by people and then moves which is great it's great that nick scalibur knows the names of moves um and you know jr has to react to that every time and then yeah it's a lot of quips uh or it's a lot of pat lines and cm punk uh i think is really pretty strong in commentary. He does also have pat lines, but they all have pat lines. But even then it's like, well, his are fresh. We haven't heard them a dozen times over the last couple of years. Um, But yeah, there's nobody there providing like insight into the, the story of the match, the uh, mechanics of the moves, the uh, psychology of the match, the, you know, long-term story for all the guys. Honestly, who has done that best in this promotion was veda scott who was in for one tournament and never again uh but she had all that shit down to a science uh and plug it in seamlessly on every match she she commented um and i'll expand on what i was talking about on rampage because i was in particular calling out taz and ricky starks on rampage for doing this because they were nothing but quips and japes and tomfoolery back and forth with each other. Taz has been totally flanderized in this promotion. Like when Taz started with team Taz in this promotion. Uh, and even when he was on commentary, it was like, Oh, that's Taz. He's a fucking badass. He knows his, you know, shoot fighting shit. Uh, he's going to come in with his, his crew of violent guys. And he's going to talk directly to camera and threaten them uh, and feel authentic and feel urgent and feel real uh, and you're going to be like, oh, that's a fucking guy from Red Hook, Brooklyn that's dressing me down right now. Uh, and now he's just like a, a, a funny commentary guy who does little jokey things on Dark, and that's his whole... He's been totally flanderized, uh, and it's too bad because he was better as the the violent Team Taz guy. Uh, and even now, when he you know tries to bring that energy to the Team Taz segments or whatever, it just doesn't... It doesn't feel the same.
3: I wonder with, like, punk and being able to you know flesh out these storylines flesh out the moves like add the extra thing there is something that I've been kind of wrapping my head around and it's something that like he has like admitted and always like he was such a big territory guy such a big Harley race guy such like this like he was he's someone that like that is the kind of wrestling that he grew up on that's kind of wrestling that he enjoys most so like when so, like, him, like, going, like, oh, you're calling the the lightning spiral the lightning spiral. That's a nerd thing. Like, they're, like, it's just not his thing. Whereas, like, him fleshing things out there is something that he finds enjoyment in. And it's something that I guess the person that when I, like, think about, like, the standard three-person booth on Dynamite that I – Feel bad saying that. I feel like that the role kind of needed to be there. Is is you'd expect like someone who would be like Tony Schiavone, like going like thinking about the storylines, thinking about stuff like that, and it doesn't come across that way. Even though like Tony is genuinely pleasant on commentary and you know provides like the the old guy who gets it kind of role there, but it's something that now like they have like four people on the booth each week, and it just turns into like a cacophony and punk added to it and pulled attention from it at the same time and i don't know like it's something that like because like veda did do such a good job there and you like you see like people come in and like have great commentary performances and then just kind of just like kind of just go in the background i guess for lack of better words i just don't know how you fix the situation or i don't think there is a way that they're interested in fixing the situation i don't think they, they view this as a problem
2: yeah. I think the kind of the issue with Tony and then always having like guests, like CM Punk makes JR unnecessary, right? Cause they play the same role. Like CM Punk is doing the, Oh, he needs to hook the leg. Oh, he needs to do this old school wrestling thing. Oh, you know, the referee can't uh, keep an eye on 16 people out there at once. Like you, know, you guys talked about it on the, the CM Punk show. Like CM Punk is an old wrestling guy in that sense. He shares all those same opinions. He even does all the same fucking football references as JR. Except uh he doesn't botch all the names and he's quick on his feet. Uh, and he's, you know, not 90 years old. So he makes uh J.R. deprecated. And really Tony Tony was really good as like the you could just sort of find the joy in him rediscovering wrestling right, like somebody would do something, and you'd hear him exclaim over it, and you could feel like the genuine joy that he had over that uh and you know now this has been his full time job for two plus years, uh so it's just like not not quite as sincere or genuine there anymore, right It's just like, oh yeah, he's just gonna do his little exclamations um, and then you know all the other things that he does are also. The things that Jr. is doing. So, on this on this booth, you had like three guys kind of playing the same role, and then Excalibur doing play by play, which doesn't seem like the the best setup to get the most out of your commentary team. You want Excalibur doing the play by play. You want one of Jr. Tony and Punk, and then you want a third person, a Mike Tenay, a Veda Scott, uh, I don't know, somebody else who you know doesn't need to be talking all the time. Uh, but, you know, every every four minutes into a match is going to have one very insightful, thoughtful thing to say uh, that's going to make you see the match in a new light or understand the story of the match better or understand the characters better. You
1: want Chris Charlton, but, like, less of a nerd.
2: Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I thought of Chris Charlton uh, and didn't say it, but, yeah, there was the, those early G1 shows that Chris Charlton was on where he was doing long-term explanations about Kota Ibushi and really explaining the, you know, the significance of this moment for him and stuff uh, is exactly what you want. Um, and again, he doesn't have to be talking throughout the entire match. It's just like, hey, I'm going to plug in here uh, and I'm going to change the whole, uh, you know, complexion of this match by giving you something something deeper to sort of latch on. To-
1: Tony's value to me is, at this point, is literally just... Uh, talking shit about Adam Cole. That is, that does make me laugh when he says something negative about Adam Cole. Uh, because that's like an actual, <laughs> there's like a tie in to a story there, right? That makes sense and is uh, yes. interesting.
2: I do like that his character is consistent in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's also like if Tony's not on commentary, now when Tony's in the ring doing his interviews, now when Tony's on the ramp doing his interviews, now it feels more special. It's not the guy you're listening to for the entire fucking show. I agree.
1: Uh, And, you know, Tony, if he weren't here, he would be back at uh, the University of Georgia doing college football, which you can bet on with our friends at MyBookie. You just use the promo code ELITE over there. They've got $500,000 in contest prize money up for grabs uh, on NFL games. Uh, It's winning season at MyBookie. You just go to MyBookie.ag. You choose from a variety of boosts and free bets And you get in on the fan favorite $100,000 Super Contest. Uh, This is the one I was talking about. You pick five games against the spread each week. You win, you get a point. Each point gets you closer to the grand prize. Uh, Those boosts and free bets are no joke. I know I got in on uh, would someone, anyone bleed on the UFC show this weekend. And it cashed pretty
3: quickly. So that that was a nice win. Yeah, no, it, it, it's the things that they do with like these fun, these rebuts that just like it, it instantly provides like a little bit of spice for something like UFC that you don't really care. And like I remember us talking about the last time that there was a zero zero tie in the NFL. And it, it's easy way to hop on board. And it's not just, you know, football going on right now. Of course, the League of Legends World Championship is about to be coming up, Aaron. And, you know, for me, like like, that's the real. The, the, that's when I'm on my bookie AG really have to go through the group stages. Got to pick up my end steps, get some parlays together, you know, like this. And you're able to bet on basically any sort of sporting competition on, uh, my bookie. Uh, I want to see what they have for the entertainment. Oh, it's Grammy awards odds. I'm not good at that kind of stuff, but Mike, uh, I'll just
1: tell you that last week I had a one unit on Lando Norris to win oh, the Russian God. Grand Prix. Oh, buddy. Uh, he, oh, you know, he was on pole. I thought, you know, there's not usually a lot of overtakes on this uh, course. The Mercedes has had a hard time passing the McLaren. I, uh, You know, I was just kind of, you know, gaming this out yeah. in my mind. Uh, and there was, um, you know, two cars between uh, Lewis and uh, the McLaren, Lando and the McLaren. And if you didn't watch the race, folks, uh, Lando, by all rights, should have won the race. But the rain came down. He didn't switch to uh, wet tires, and he uh, just drove straight off the track. <laughs> it,
3: really a heartrending kind of thing with Lando, oh, yeah. <laughs> kind oh, of yeah. like the adopted son of like a lot of like the newer uh, F one fans because of just genuinely just he he he's very I I don't know how to describe Lando Norris's character other than he he's kind of puckish he's kind of a puckish figure and yeah like, that just gives me straight flashbacks aaron Too secure last year yeah, with us i know so, hey, which, i'm sorry uh, i also we, lost we, money we, on <laughs> we have to stop betting on these long shot f1 races we do we do but like, that's the we'll, thing
1: we'll probably keep doing it over at mybookie.ag we're going to use the promo code elite because you instantly receive double your deposit that's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code elite bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie all right, let's run down the rest of the card. Uh, amazingly, we haven't talked really about the match that opened the show, Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy. Cole won with the boom after a nutshot. I mean, uh, I'm probably, of the three of us, probably the, the most um, cynical about uh, Adam Cole. And this was probably Adam Cole's match that I've enjoyed the most of any match of his I've ever seen.
2: But yeah, it was pretty good. Uh this this felt like kind of exactly what I would expect from uh from Adam Cole here in this moment. Um I was a little bit struck. I felt like watching this. I was like, oh, you know, Adam Cole is doing some stuff in the first movement of this match um that would make it a little more interesting than maybe if Jungle Boy were just laying this out with somebody less experienced. Um and then I came away at the end like, hmm, you know, I kinda Jungle Boy's offense looks notably better than Adam Cole's, I thought. Uh, but yeah, super crowd got super into it. They did big kickouts. You know, Adam Cole did a big shocked face when he kicked out of uh, a Panama Sunrise or whatever. Uh, yeah, it got super fucking over. Adam Cole, huge star. Uh, but then, you know, you put him on first segment of the show again, you're going to lose a, a third of your viewership uh, by the time you get to the second hour.
3: You have to think about prolonging the Chugs Nation. You have to edge the Chugs Nation nation to be quite honest uh, i the, the thing that i really enjoyed about this and this was by far my favorite match on the show and if it, and in in a world where we didn't have arn and cutting promos like that this would have been my elite by far uh it, it's something where adam cole it's not just that like it seems like everything just like clicks him here it's the fact that like I don't think he's doing really anything different, but now he is so over that everything just kind of really works. And with him and Jungle Boy, it just worked really well. The step up Rana to the outside was really insane. And I just, it just was one of those things that after this match was over, I was like, you know what? This was a really fun TV match because this is what this was. Like they worked this like a TV match and it came off incredibly well because of that.
1: Yeah, it rocked. I uh, had a lot of fun. Um, it's what you said was interesting, Nate, about the whether Juggle Boys offense looks better. But my thought is this: well, it's not going to take long for QT Marshall to erase all of the Shawn Michaels influence and get him uh, get Adam Cole trained into a good little worker. <laughs> Should be soon. Uh, after the match, the Elite came out and did this the Kenny and Brian thing that we've already talked about. Uh, then we had the Lucha Bros backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Andrade asked them where PAC is. Tablet guy speaks. He says, it's time that the Lucha Brothers defend the AAA titles. Andrade says, how about Manny's luchador friends take those titles? And the Lucha Brothers are our game.
2: Yeah, the Lucha Brothers fucked up. If they had just left those belts at home, they never, no one would have been reminded that they were <laughs> the AAA tag champions and they wouldn't have had to face this challenge. Um so, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but that's cool. It's a good, you know, next feud or program, assuming it plays out in, on AEW television and they're not just suddenly deciding to plug AAA matches. Um, that's cool. I like I like seeing that. And I'm excited to see who those friends are. Maybe it's just Jose and a friend. Maybe it's Jose and Chavo. No, that wouldn't make sense. You know, <laughs> uh, this is apropos of nothing except that you mentioned Shawn Michaels. Um Kenny Omega should have hit the the Shawn Michaels, you know, flex pose in that Brian Danielson match. That would have been cool.
3: <laughs> it, Mike almost died just now. Yeah. No, no, you caught me right in mid swig. Uh, I I think it's really kind of interesting. <laughs> that's
1: that's Mike's gym. He's gonna start as mid swig. Mid
2: swig. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit there's a program we got to do we got to do matt side Al against mjf because mjf calls mid-breath mid
3: <laughs> <laughs> there we go there we go um anyways i lost my point uh um, yeah no this is cool uh it's funny that they brought out the triple a tag team titles like i i appreciate the fact that aew shows the proper reference today to the triple a tag team titles and just forgets that their tag team champions also are double champions so i'm so excited to see what's going to happen with this i know that uh psycho clown is working a lot in the states and there's a lot of other people you know there's a lot of other uh, mexican wrestlers that are now working more and more in the states that like there's a lot of ways like i mean mr iguana and psycho clown i feel like would be like the for for the crowd i think that's who you'd have to bring in right Um, Uh, like we don't we, we don't need, uh, we don't need uh, Dragon Lee and ba- Bastia or Rush working through his fake uh, knee injury, right? We really need Psycho Clown and Mister Iguana. I
1: know they're not luchadors, but the only tag team I can think of that I want to challenge for titles is Moose and Masada. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Conan's got the book back in Tijuana, man.
1: <laughs> That's the best tag team going, if you ask me. Uh speaking of tag teams, next we had Cody and Lee Johnson taking out Matt Siddell and Dante Martin. Lee Johnson pinned Dante with uh fuck, I meant to ask uh, Mike what this move is called. It's a neck breaker type thing, but on the knee. Mike took his headphones off, so he can't even correct me. Um It was yeah. like an Ushiguroshi, except he Yeah. Yeah. Ushigoroshi that works. Hey Something Jungle like Boy was
2: doing a cool like pump handle lift thing in that match too. Remember that? <laughs> Let's remember some moves that happened in some other matches while we're at it. Uh yeah, then they or, did or think about imagined moves that should have been another match.
1: Yeah, that would have been good. Um then they did the Cody and Arn thing. Uh we had Mox, Darby, and Eddie versus Bear Country and the motherfucking retrosexual, Anthony Green, showing up in AEW. Uh they finally did what you wanted them to do with uh Brian Danielson. The WWE guy got absolutely embarrassed. Mox pinned the retrosexual after the violent crown. And then after the match, for no reason whatsoever, Sting hit him with a scorpion death drop.
2: <laughs> uh, extremely funny to be like, yeah, they <laughs> really put the screws to that ex WWE guy, the retrosexual Anthony Green. <laughs>
1: I was I. I mean, this is just what I do because my brain only focuses on one thing at a time. But just reading uh, Death of the Territory is very funny that Vince would sign a guy like Paul Orndorff away from a territory, and then the next time he did a show there, he would have Paul Orndorff beaten by some jobber. Just like a very funny thing to do.
2: Yeah, he sucks big time. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. You know, I I think personally in terms of relevant wrestling promotions beyond at least a couple of tiers ahead of WWE. So that's that's just how I think of the retrosexual. Absolutely.
1: Uh Evolve legend, the retrosexual, Anthony mm-hmm. Green. Hey,
2: Evolve Contemporaries, Eddie and Anthony in there together. That's right. That's right. Their careers have really diverged.
1: Uh we got a, a pre tape for uh, ruby soho and Britt baker they've really liked doing this thing where it's pre-tape where they're like talking back and forth to each other but you know it was taped separately uh ruby said she felt like she'd never had so many people in her corner Britt said that was just because they liked the song that she comes out to and she's got to go to the back of the line uh ruby agrees that she knows she's not entitled to an immediate rematch but she says next time you're gonna face the consequences so this is also a thing they're doing that's like you don't get rematches in this company, unless you're Cody. Uh, you have to go to the back of the line and, and earn your, your rematch.
3: It's a special power that Cody gets with the Ace Tunnel. You know, I mean, the elevator lets him make rematches. So, I mean, technically, everyone should try to take over that and make the rematches.
2: Did get a little joy out of CM Punk calling attention to Cody's garish entrance? <laughs> Cody comes up and sees me. Like, "Wow, that seems like it cost a lot <laughs> for, for Cody." You do this? <laughs> him uh HFO came out. Matt Hardy says, yeah, was, "Yeah, I imagine was that Jason Bateman voice, Mike?"
3: Yes, I was doing. I was doing that Thank voice. You. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that.
1: Matt Hardy says a year and a half ago he was supposed to debut here at Rochester, but that was deleted because this place didn't deserve him. He gets interrupted by Orange Cassidy's music, and that went into the 16-man tag that we talked about. Uh, John Silver won by pinning Joel after approximately 1 million finishers, and then they did the Dark Order reconciliation angle. Uh, we got the Leo Leo money uh, moneytistic pre-tape.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> Oh, you said it. Um w- now we can finally get that uh Brian Danielson versus Leo Roosh dream match that-, <laughs> that Danielson tweeted about five years or whatever. Uh, that's uh, this only just occurred to me. Uh, you if, know you, the- if you don't know the lore, folks, uh that's uh Brian Danielson had done some interview where he named, you know, all the all the luchadores that he wanted to Blue uh, imagine himself wrestling. He's like, Oh yeah, you know, I want to face uh uh blue panther and roosh and blah 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 and Re- Leo Rush of course saw this and at that time not being aware of Roosh, the luchador, he thought it was about himself and did a quote tweet with with eyeballs. Uh the other
1: lore you need to know about is that uh Leo Roosh was on a what an Instagram live or something
3: with yes. with, with <laughs> yeah. some
1: kid who's like trying to talk to Leo Rush and he says something and then he like he keeps apologizing to Leo and he says, you know, he's sorry that he's having a hard time communicating with him because he's autistic and Leo Rush's response is to hold up a bunch of cash and say, "That's okay, I'm moneytistic." <laughs> Which uh anyway, my point was, the way they brought in <laughs> crying CM Punk guy, they should they got to bring in the moneytistic kid uh and do do a bit with him. I think that would be good.
2: That's the gimmick now, so that's right that's what they should do
1: um ftr's backstage they say they got lost but now they're rejuvenated
3: they were in the loser truck and their rejuvenation there they like yep. trying these promos. also like the back and forth and then they love using their trucks for promo space trucks are cool i get it uh dan lambert and a man of the year were in the ring
1: dan lambert uh did a long thing about chris jericho Scorpio says he told everyone or he asked everyone if they were paying attention. The crowd says no. Uh, And he says, Dan Lambert was the only one who was paying attention. Ethan page says, no one thinks that they're tough, but they are. And he has the tightest tits in the game.
2: I uh, hate to say it. I really enjoyed Ethan pages. couple lines there (laughs) talking about, I had the best smile in pro wrestling. Um, Yeah, this was another big heat promo on
3: this show but uh i kind of like the act i ethan page is just really been amusing in this role here like just the idea that that he is hanging out with america top team and i i want to see where this goes now like lambert's promos or whatever but ethan page hanging out with junior dos santos and jorge masvidal that's something that i i think that the, the fact that this is not going on national tv international tv every week is a travesty
2: Mike, do you know where Dan Lambert is from originally? Like, where he grew up?
3: Uh, Is he not a South Florida original guy? Because he talked about, like, championship I don't wrestling know. from Florida. That no, was I... my
2: assumption, but he kind of has, like, a weird accent sometimes, right? Does anybody else hear that from time to time? He's got, like—I almost want to say he's got, like, something Canadian coming through. I don't think yeah. it's that, but anyway—
1: he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I can't find out from there.
2: I did I did look, and there is a Canadian hockey player named Dan Lambert, but that's not Whoa. him.
3: Yeah. Uh, but
2: maybe Dan Lambert is a Canadian name?
3: I have looked for an interview, and it doesn't really talk about anything until he forms America Top Team and the fact that he was a big wrestling fan growing. Uh,
1: this segment, to me, just highlighted, like, uh, I think what i maybe we have been saying that like the one thing ethan page doesn't need is a guy to talk for him he was the only one in this segment who was able to just steamroll right over the crowd doing bad stuff and uh, get his points across and do what he wanted to do so i mean that's the thing that ethan page is actually really good at so it'd be okay to just let him do it on occasion Uh, next we had a pre-tape for hikaru shida She says she's achieved a lot in AEW, and next up is her getting 50 wins, and they play this into uh, Serena Deeb's apparent return from injury, who will be trying to stop her from getting to 50 wins, and that'll be next week on Dynamite.
2: So, you know, it's great that they've got a big Hikaru Shida match on the anniversary Dynamite. That's nice. It does once again expose the idea that this woman's woman's division is well-booked because (laughs) they taped a Hikaru Shida match that would have been for her 50th win on dark. And only after it was taped, did they realize it would have been her 50th win. So they cut it from dark and added it as a dynamite storyline. So this would not have existed. This story would not have existed. This match would not have existed, except that probably some Twitter account pointed out that she just got her 50th win. And, you know, somebody in the office saw that tweet going around and said, Oh shit, we should do something for her 50th win. Let's cut that match from dark. So, you know, no long-term planning there. Uh, it's great that they're able to, uh, you know, be nimble about it and and make hay out of it. They're very good at doing that. But, you know, th- this is not uh, a symptom of them putting a whole lot of thought and effort into booking this.
1: This got us into the women's portion of the program uh, where we had that. And then we had uh, Ty J versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford. Anna J submitted Penelope with the Queen Slayer. So we finally got... Uh, a clean finish in one of these matches, which was uh, much appreciated.
2: All the girls have matching gear now? That
1: was nice also. I enjoyed that. Good little match, I thought. Ty kicking people. I love to see that. Just destroying people. I,
3: Ty working a knee cell, covering up, Like I thought that was really well done too. You know, I bet on it. I Yeah, I thought this was... Oh I it'll be interesting to see now. Like, since they're not confirming what the secondary women's title is, but now like we we see like it's not just that Ty J had own gear. Like they had a new song, they had an entrance video for it, and I I couldn't tell, but it felt like that uh, the bunny and Penelope Four did as well. And then after that, we
1: finished the what third women's segment in a row with a pre tape for this story they have ongoing with jade cargill thunder rosa and nyla rose and we learned that i think we learned in this segment we learned at some point that these three are going to have a match on rampage this friday so you know it's hard for me to complain about three women's segments on the show but it still feels like um man here's just let's throw all this together maybe people will take it and not complain
2: First Cracker Barrel clash in a while. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. They should use the Cracker Barrel for this, for sure.
3: I mean, where is the Cracker Barrel right now? Like, that's the question I have.
2: Oh, wait. I wonder if Shad has a a warehouse, you know, like the WWE prop warehouse. If there's one in Bailey's place. Wait, we have uh, three women of
1: color in this match. They should destroy the Cracker Barrel at the start of the match.
2: No Bucks. <laughs> Okay, great. The glass right crack ba- cracker barrel, right? The uh, glass, the MJF and Darby's? the glass, the glass, the glass cracker barrel. <laughs> I don't know if that came across. Did anybody hear that? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, yes, we you
1: got did. it. Should got I it. take it again? Yeah, one more time.
2: Okay. The glass cracker barrel of oppression. <laughs> We lost our video, folks. We're, we're flying blind here. Fun blind. BM Jeff
1: and Darby segment happened. We had uh, Amiro Sammy pre taped to build up to that batch. And then uh, Sammy is your new TNT champion uh, with the 630. And I think we covered all that. So that was Dynamite for this week. Uh, if you want to support our show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, it's got it all. We cover everything that AEW does either on this show or on the Patreon. So if you're a big AEW fan, it's the best place to get the most AEW coverage. Uh, And we got three tiers. Go on the site, check them out. You'll get the the sense for what those are all about. Uh, But, you know, our main shows are Light on Wednesday, Previewing Dynamite, Breaking Down Dark and Elevation, Nate doing the BTE quick hits. We do, on the weekends, World Tour, which is a Rampage review show. We do bonus shows. We had an all-out retrospective a preview. We had an all-out instant reaction. We will be doing This Is Brian Danielson. Should be coming. Uh, we're planning to record it this weekend, so it should be out early next week. And uh, there's a possibility for some Rose to the Top content from uh, one Michael Spears.
3: Yeah, I kind of have been pot committed to this kind of stuff after uh, the Go Big show, so I don't know how to do content about a trashy reality show, but uh, uh, there'll be something. I don't know if it'll be an ongoing thing, but it does. If there is something about AEW, we cover it. So I am going to cover Road to the Top in some fashion. So uh, I've been trying to stay unspoiled during this, but apparently, I the one thing I know is that is the Cody promo is the crux of the first episode. So that's going to be wild. And Nate, I don't, I don't
1: know if you listen to like this morning, but I'm already planning for the fifth anniversary of FIP. Everything burns 2017. Uh, we've got to do content for it. It's coming up in January.
2: I did listen. I did go back and find the iconic quote about a elephant manure factory in <laughs> South Africa that was visited last week by the manager who tried to make Anthony Henry, uh, put his girlfriend up as a stipulation in a match. Uh so I am eagerly anticipating someone once again diving into and, and fully explicating out that that promo line. Excellent. I can't wait.
1: Uh if you join up, join the Discord. Uh it's a lot of fun. We're over at patreon.com/slash everything elite. Uh for Rampage this weekend, we're gonna have or on Friday night, uh our show comes out on the weekend. Jade Cargill versus Thunder Rosa versus Nyla Rose orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans and Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson. They usually do three matches. So that's probably everything you'll get on rampage on Friday. Uh, Mike and I will be covering that on world tour this weekend over on the Patreon.
3: Did I miss it that the uh, triple threat matches, no DQ or they, do they have that or is it just the cracker barrel? Mike,
2: Mike, all triple threat <laughs> matches are no DQ and therefore are all in essence, cracker barrel clashes.
3: Thank you. I needed that explained to me. So we're getting that, we're getting a puestless match, and then we're getting, revisiting probably the roughest match in Nick Jackson's career from PWG on Friday. That's pretty rad. I'm, I'm stoked for it. And then next week
1: on Dynamite, which we will fully preview on Light on the Patreon on Wednesday, uh, from Philadelphia, we have Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb as Shida goes for her 50th win. We have uh, uh, an eight-man tag with the Elite Team versus... Uh, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, and Jurassic Express, and then we're going to have a Casino Ladder Match, and the winner will get a title shot, a World Title Shot. Actually, I, I noticed in the uh, in the graphic, so this is definitely for the AEW World Title.
3: Yeah, uh, Aaron, there is some breaking news. Uh, oh. I, I know you you are sitting down. Uh, we do have one more match that is official for Dynamite. Okay. It is for the TNT Championship. Sammy Guevara will be making his first defense against Bobby Fish.
1: Well, I mean, I guess Sammy Guevara could somehow kill Bobby Fish in the match. I guess that would. He does uh, a lot of moves. He did
2: try to kill Matt Hardy that one time. No, it's twice. He tried to kill him twice.
1: Yeah. So I guess I can uh, root for that. Um, I can't get worked up about it again, but I do hate it. I am mad about it and I will be mad about it next week. So get ready for that, I guess. But yeah, that'll be on Dynamite next week. I'll definitely be mad about it on Light. So if you'd like listen to me mad about things, uh, subscribe to the Patreon and listen to that. But I think that's everything for this week. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron AaronLikeTheCar. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at FujiHeya. Uh, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and review. Go to patreon.com slash everythingelite. Use the Manscaped code. This is the MyBookie code. Elite. Do all that stuff. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron.